0: Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Good morning. I'm Rabbi David Levine, and this is Live from Home.
1: Shabbat Shalom. I'm Sandy Levine. Welcome to our home.
0: We want to welcome all the Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue members and all of our podcast listeners from around the world and everyone who's been joining us on Facebook Live. So glad you could join us today. Yom Shabbat on Saturday, June 6, 2020. This morning, Eric Painter will welcome us into his home, and we will enjoy the Hebrew prayers that he leads and worship as well. And then Rabbi Yuri and I will return to life from home and we will study the scriptures together with you, the Torah portion for this week and some other readings as well. And then at the end, we will return to the painter home for a final worship song. This morning, I want to encourage you to hit the share button so you can let your friends know on Facebook that now is a good time to join in with us. And if you haven't already hit the like and the follow buttons as well. Those help you be notified automatically that whenever there's a new post so Please join us with your comments as well. We'd love the chance to hear from you, and especially, especially we'd love to hear from our international friends and all of our podcast listeners around the world. So if you're joining us from anywhere in another country, please let us know in your comments where you're watching from and uh, where you live. This Shabbat is a wonderful time and an important time as well. And so from Sandy and me, we can say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Now let's join Eric Painter to live from home.
1: Shabbat Shalom. Let's begin our worship this morning with a Shabbat. Shabbat Shabbat i Thank yeah. you.
2: Thank you, Eric. Shabbat Shalom, congregation. Good morning, everyone, and welcome into our home. I am so happy to share this time with you, and I thank you for joining us today. Please (laughs) leave your comments and likes to us so we can know who is watching us. We are living in a very difficult time with so many things going around us. People are frustrated, full of anger and emptiness. And many, many other things around. This time reminds me the place from the Brita Hadasha from the New Testament. And I want to read it. It's in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. It is is a very, very famous place of scripture. So I want to read it with you. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the Talmudim came to him privately tell us they said when will these things happen and what will be the sign that you are coming and that the olam hazeh is ending yeshua replied watch out don't let anyone fool you For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will lead many astray. You will hear the noise of wars nearby, and the news of wars far off. See to it that you don't become frightened. Such things must happen. But the end is yet to come. Verse 7, and this is the most important part of what I want to read today. For peoples will fight each other, nations will fight each other, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various parts of the world. All this is but the beginning of the birth pains. At that time, you will be arrested and handed over to be punished and put to death. And all peoples will hate you because of me. Verse 10. And this is the important verse. At that time, many will be trapped into betraying and hating each other. Many false prophets will appear and fool many many people. Verse 12. And many peoples love. Will grow cold because of increasing increased distance from Torah, or in other translation, because of increasing lawlessness will will multiply. But whoever holds out till the end will be delivered. This is a great promise to us. I'm not sure when the end will come and when Yeshua is coming. I, I'm not sure, but I'm sure that it doesn't matter when we live and where we live. We must be very careful and watchful, do not become the one whose love grows cold. Verse 12, it is so obvious here. And many people's love will grow cold because of increased distance from Torah, lovelessness. And this place of scripture, this verse, particularly this verse about believers, about people who call themselves believers. We need to watch over our hearts, to clean our hearts from all uncleanness, from the hatred, from the coldness, lovelessness, everything what is not according to the scriptures. We need to be very careful because we live in very tricky and not easy times today. The Lord Yeshua teaches us not to be afraid of war or earthquake or anything else but to be afraid of lovelessness inside of us and not to grow cold. Look what's happening around us. We are the people of God and we have the truth and love and power of the Holy Spirit to change hearts of men, to pray, to bless. We came through uh, Shavuot times last week and we are filled with the Spirit of God to be a blessing to others, to make a change around us. I found something interesting. Um, Our enemy, called in the scriptures, serpent, he is slowly and patiently looking for an opportunity for a weak place in our lives so he can attack us and inject his poison into our spiritual lives so he can slowly transform us into his image. But we called to be transformed into the image of Yeshua, our Lord and our Messiah. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. One of the very interesting places, and I think this is like an answer for us today. What to do? It is here Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So pay close attention to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. What's the difference between uh, unwise people and wise people? Unwise, they don't think about where they're going. They don't think what, about what they're saying, what they're praying, what they're doing. But wise people are careful people. Verse 16, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Make the most of your time. Not the less, but the most of your time. Be careful. Live very carefully. Because the days are evil. For this reason, because the days are evil, for this reason, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So, can you see here? It's two opposite directions. To be foolish. And the second direction, understand what the lord's will is i believe every difficult time it is a time of opportunity for us this is not the time to be scary or to grow cold or to be afraid or to be angry this is the time of opportunity this is the time to serve this is the time to be child of god this is the time to understand that we belong to our lord and messiah and he's our god he's our lord and he He gave us power of the Holy Spirit to change something, to be a blessing around us. The Bible calling us to be wise, to remember that the days are evil and to understand the Lord's will for us. My prayer today is that the Lord will direct us and help us to remember that first of all, we are His children and not the children of the worldly system. And our lives are guided by the values and rules of the heavenly kingdom. You remember Yeshua answered to Pilate, he said, My kingdom is not of this world, because he is the king over heavenly kingdom. We need wisdom of God, his direction, his presence. And we need to learn how to walk in his kingdom and to be led by his values. I want to read from 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world and the, and the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, and I would like to capture our attention here, please think about it. If anyone, you know, me and you, we can be this anyone. We need to be careful to not to be this anyone. Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not about this earth. It's about worldly system with, this, with its values, with its important things there. For everything in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the boosting of life, it is not from the Father but from the world the world is passing away this is the truth i mean sooner or later this world will pass away the lord is passing away alone with its desire but the one who does the will of god abides forever i want to abide forever i want to be with the lord i want to to walk in the heavenly jerusalem i want to have this inheritance from the Lord this is my will <laughs> i pray for it this is important to remember that our life belongs to the Lord he redeemed us from his this world and from the condemnation of this worldly system he redeemed us today's torah portion teaches us about the blessing from the Lord and how to bless the people of israel it is the blessing that Rabbi David praised every Shabbat over the congregation. So we are all very familiar with these words. And I want to read it to remind us. And I believe Rabbi David will read it again. And today we'll hear these words again and again as a blessing to us. So it is uh, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. Adonai said to Moshe, again, I would like to pay attention here. It is the Lord, it is the Lord who gave this commandment to Moshe. These words are from the Lord, not from Moses, not from Aaron, from the Lord. He is the first who said these words. They were born in the heart of the Lord to us. Speak to Aaron and his sons and tell them that this is how you are to bless the people of Israel you are to say to them, May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face toward you and give you peace. And verse 27, In this way they are to put my name on the people of Israel so that I will bless them. I like like that. The Lord said, Say these words, And in the end he said, so that I will bless them. What's interesting here, doesn't matter in what position people of Israel were and how difficult it was to serve them to the people of Israel. The priests had an important role. Every day on the morning sacrifice, they were to pray this blessing over the people. Speaking that prayer was to become one of the most important parts of their ministry in the temple the lord called us to bless and to be a blessing for others this is our calling to be a blessing and if we want to be effective as children of god we must learn not to curse but to bless not to live a selfish life but to a blessing for others with humility consider others as more important than yourselves what does it mean to bless? Bless in from the root barach, it means blessing. By blessing, Scripture understands the conversion of the impact of God's mercy, grace on a person, either by God himself or by people acting according to the will of God. So let's briefly look into the words of this blessing. In couple minutes. So the first, may Adonai bless you and keep you. These first words of a blessing show that we are dependent on him. We must keep him first in our lives. Recognize that he is our master and that above all, it is his desire to bless us. We are admitting the rulership of our God by humbly receiving from him. Because only the Lord keeps us. He gives life and sustains life in us. He commands angels to surround us every day of our lives. Because of him, we live and breathe. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Think about it, please. His face shine upon you. The opposite of light is darkness the one who experienced what it means to be in dark place, knows the power of light. The face of Adonai defeats the power of darkness. I, I, I can tell you, if you put your trust in the Lord, you will have his marvelous light, and you will experience his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give your peace, an important meaning in these words. What does it mean, lift up his face towards you? It is to direct his attention, his care, his love towards you, to remember his plans in your life. I want to read Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the promise from Adonai, from the Lord to all of us. For I know what plans I have in mind for you, says Adonai, plans for well-being not for bad things. Remember that, please. We need to understand it. We need to remember. We need to believe in it. He has good things for us, not bad things. So that you can have hope and the future. When you call to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you seek me, you will find me, provided you seek me wholeheartedly. And I will let you find me, says Adonai. His plans are the best for us. He will not lead us to destruction or death. Instead, he will give us life and hope. He will fulfill our future. It is because of our trust in his goodness and love that we are able to have shalom, the deep peace from the Lord. And we know that peace is our shield in life. The Lord guards our hearts. And the last words. In this way, they are to put my name on the people of Israel so that I will bless them. Please, it is so great meaning here. These words mean I will claim my ownership on them, of them. They belong to me. I myself will bless them, the Lord saying to us. We are his and He will not share us with anybody. So please don't be afraid. So I want to finish with one place of Scripture. It's in James 1, verse 17. Please receive it with all your heart, because it is a promise from Father, from the Lord Yeshua to us. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shifting shadow. Amen. Thank you very much. Let's welcome Rabbi David.
0: Thank you Rabbi Yuri for that study. I think you touched on some important things. I want to go back to the opening scripture that you started with from Matthew 24. I want to look at verse 13 because I think it it covers an important idea that connects to everything that we're talking about and what we're experiencing in these days. In Matthew 24, 13, it says, the one who who holds out to the end will be saved or will be delivered. But there is another understanding of that, another meaning because the word translated end usually means to us the, the end of time. And the one who holds out until the finish to the conclusion of something. But the word used here is telos in the Greek, which has another, I think, even higher higher meaning. It's purpose. It is purpose. Telos means purpose. So if we understand it that way, the one who endures all the way, but the one who endures by holding on to the purpose, this one will experience the deliverance of God and the salvation of God. So it raises the question, what then is the purpose? And that's why I think it leads into the next statement about the love of many growing cold, the love of believers growing cold, the love of those who have confessed the name of Yeshua growing cold. We don't want to be such people. How does that love grow cold in the midst of the distractions of the tragedies of the world, earthquakes, We'll say natural phenomena, wars, famines, many things happening that can get our attention. I say distractions because they're distractions in that they pull our attention away from God. And they cause us to focus on things that are important, that are real, but without God, we will misunderstand them. If we try to understand those things first, without understanding God first, we will come to a wrong conclusion and a wrong understanding that 's why we have to hold on to the purpose what is the purpose of god it 's a restorative purpose of love it 's a restorative purpose of mercy and compassion and justice and when Yeshua was asked about torah what are the two what are what is the greatest commandment of torah he gave an answer that had two parts he told what the first greatest commandment was, and that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he said there's another commandment like it, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now those those two commandments, he said, are so foundational that all of the Torah and the prophets hangs upon them. When we give them the highest level of attention in our lives. When we make them the highest order of importance in our lives, then we can understand the rest of Torah. And then we can embrace the rest of Torah. But if we elevate other things above those, you know what? We'll misunderstand the scriptures. And I think we'll misunderstand how to live. We'll place a greater, we'll place greater importance on other things that are happening. We'll try to interpret the earthquakes and the natural phenomena. We'll try to interpret the hurricanes, the famines, the wars, but we'll miss the other part of what's going on. You see, you and I, as Rabbi Yuri was saying, are called to be a blessing. This goes back to the call of Abraham, where the Lord said, be thou a blessing. It was a commanding form that he spoke many English translations in Genesis 12, render it and you shall be a blessing or you will be a blessing. But a lot of us in America, a lot of us English speakers don't understand that the word shall is not the same as the word will. Shall has a uh, imperative element about it. It's a commanding form. You shall, you, you must, you you. Are called to do this, and, and that 's why some of the translations I think capture it more accurately when they say, Be a blessing, taking that commanding form, be a blessing. you and I are called to be a blessing the The blessing of Aaron is meant to set the tone and the pattern so that from the priesthood down to the lowest in israel there 's a posture of blessing. The priests are called to bless Israel because God wants. Israel to be blessed. And the children of Israel are called to be a blessing, to receive the blessing from God, and then to extend it and to expand it. And this is what our call is. And it's an important thing. It's a both and kind of thing. We're called to receive and we're called to give, not just to receive for ourselves, but to receive for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's why God's values have to be more important than the values that we inherited through our culture, our experience, and even from our families. If our values are rooted in and established by the values of God and the values of Yeshua, the Messiah, you know what? Our values will be shaped correctly and they will be well-formed. This past week, when we were celebrating Shavuot, and we were praying for many people to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to Tevilah Baruch Kodesh, the immersion or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We prayed also for people to receive the gift of tongues, and we've heard from several people, at least three in, at Beth Israel, who are part of the Mishpacha, who received the gift of tongues and are now able to pray in tongues because the Spirit of God is enabling them. And I want to remind everybody that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not for selfish purposes, even though the gift of the Spirit can be used in a prayer language that builds the individual up who's praying. It has more value and more purposes when it goes beyond that and when it's used for the sake of others as well. Sometimes we pray in our prayer language, because we don't know how to pray for someone else, and we want to pray anyway. And so we start praying in the Spirit, but then we receive understanding from the Lord, and that enables us to pray with our spirit and with understanding as well. When we understand that the spiritual gifts are not all about us, they're all about God's plan to bless and restore others, to edify others, to build others. It gives us a right to point of view and the right attitude, we don't want to allow that to grow cold. When we focus on our understandings and not the benefits that others get, when we focus on our position, on our spiritual gifts, or on our ways of doing things, on our traditions, on our culture, then we may neglect the higher and the weightier things that have to do with loving God and loving God people. And I think that's what the apostle Paul was pointing to when in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 I want to encourage you to turn there. Right now I'm going to read from my iPhone Bible. If you can see that, I've got I'm reading from the New American Standard. I happen to like this translation. I I I learned from the New American Standard when I was a young believer, and it's still very fond to me. It has some accuracies that I think are important in in many of the um, chapters. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse one. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing nothing. Now, I think it's easy for us to focus on the wrong things. We can focus on, do I have the spiritual gifts for me? Can I prophesy? Can, can I exercise faith? Can I even be a martyr? And the Apostle Paul is saying, if you just do those things with a selfish motivation, It will be of no value at all. What adds value is when our love of God and our love of people is combined in our ministry and we exercise spiritual gifts with the fruit of the Spirit, especially with love. Even faith without love can be useless. Even praying for healing for other people without love can be useless. If we exercise spiritual gifts to draw attention to ourselves or to produce a sense of self-satisfaction or value, it's misdirected. Let our hearts be strong. Let our hearts be powerful in these days. Let us not be those that, that cannot endure to the purposes of God, that reduce the two great commandments to a lesser place of importance. Let us be strong in loving one another. That's what we're called to do. We're called to take a position of love for one another. We're in a season where we're going to have to learn more about how to love one another. And I know in talking to to members of the congregation, that this is going to be an ongoing lesson that we're in. Well, we we can tell you this. We knew this for a long time. We've known this for ages because we have chosen to be a diverse congregation. We're a congregation of Jews and Gentiles. And there's, there's a need for Jewish people and Gentiles, those who are from ethnic groups that are not Jewish, to learn how to love each other in, real life in the same congregation. We don't want just a Jewish congregation over here with the Messianic Jews being in a ghetto just for Jews. And we don't want Gentile congregations over there where um, Jewish people really don't fit in and, and can't be a full part. It's just for the dominant Gentile culture in our congregation we have an understanding of the blessing that comes from our solidarity and our diversity. You know, if you don't like different kinds of people, you really wouldn't like our congregation because we have so many different kinds of people. If if you've got prejudices and you don't even know it, you may discover them in our congregation. You may think, oh, I love the the Jewish people. Well, you have to live with Jewish people to learn to love Jewish people. It's not just a theoretical thing. If you think that you love all the nations of the world equally and all people groups, all ethnic groups, it's in real life. It's in the day-to-day experience that we learn to do this. And I know from talking to many of the Black members of our congregation and the people of color in our congregation, that they experience insensitivity. It's not that they're angry about it, they're so accustomed to it. But I was trying to put myself in their position, and I thought of it this way. If I was in a congregation where well-intended people, even my friends, were continuing to be insensitive to my Jewishness, it would be difficult for me. I grew up in Virginia. I grew up in Roanoke, Virginia, and as a, as a young person, I heard my neighbors, my friends, the kids I played with, the ones that I went to school with, they would use the, the word Jew as a pejorative, as a negative. And, and there was this way, you may not be familiar with it, but there was a way of turning Jew into a verb. This person Jewed me down. What that meant is they um, they pushed me so hard that I, I had to give up something that I shouldn't have had to give up, um, up, the value of something important to me. And when someone used that term, they used it cavalierly. I heard it all the time growing up. And every time I heard it, I winced inside. There were times where I learned just to to um, not express that pain on my face, but I felt it in my heart and in my mind. I felt that rejection. Well, now as a a person in a Messianic congregation, if I experienced that again, I wouldn't just wince. I would confront it and I would say, don't talk like that. Don't talk about Jewish people that way. Don't use that word. That's wrong. And I think I have never heard that used in our congregation, however, what I know, what I know for people of color and people of different socioeconomic uh, status and backgrounds for, from immigrants who have moved to the United States and who are still getting adjusted and who may not have um, their citizenship yet, I know the sense of awkwardness they feel. I, I know from hearing the stories and yet, we have to do better. We have to learn to listen to each other, to be sensitive. We have to discover insensitivities as well. We have to discover our own sensitivities and our insensitivities. We have to discover how to, how to be alert, to show love to one another. Our congregation is very diverse. It includes people from many different nations from many different language groups and many different ethnic groups, and we have many Black people in our congregation and people of color, and our families are diverse as well. We don't just have white families over here or Black families over there, but we have blended families. Many of our families are biracial or even multiracial and multi-ethnic as well. We have a lot of blending between Jews and Gentiles. Many of our families are blended families, Jews and Gentiles. And and I know in the rabbinic Jewish community, that doesn't fit in so easily. But in the messianic community, because we are using not rabbinic tradition, but we're using biblical tradition as our guide and biblical teaching, it's possible for blended Jewish and Gentile families to find a a good place together in our congregation. Moses had a blended family. He had married uh, a woman who wasn't Jewish. She may have been, she certainly was a Midianite, Zipporah, sometimes called Kush, and she may have been dark skinned. But if you imagine today, if an Israeli government leader married a Saudi Arabian daughter of a sheikh, it would seem unusual, but that's what Moses did. Moses married into another people group and then Zipporah and Moses' children through Zipporah had to be received in the people of Israel. Now, we don't often think about that. We don't often talk about it. But next week when we read the scriptures, I think it's next week, could be the week after, we're going to read about the controversy that the brother and sister of Moses had with Moses' family, with his wife. And it's an interesting controversy. It can help us understand that, that people fitting in together and having the dignity of their place being assured that this is an ancient problem and it's a modern problem as well. It's a long-standing problem. I bring that up. It's just one example, but I, I bring that up because it helps us understand as a congregation how we want to proceed. We want to celebrate our diversity. We don't want everyone to try to be the same. We accept the challenges of having different kinds of people, different backgrounds, and the challenges of loving one another. And Mishpacha, I want to encourage you. Let this go deep into your heart. Don't grow tired. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weak in loving one another. Let your love grow strong. Learn how to love one another and move away from the position that you already know how, or that you can just make it a generic thing. Well, I'm going to love everybody equally. It doesn't quite work that way. You have to love according to one's needs as well. So as a mishpacha, we learn to weep together, we learn to laugh together, we can celebrate together and we can cry together. We have empathy one for another. I want to encourage you to allow your love for God to strengthen your empathy so that your love for others in our congregation, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our world can grow stronger. What unites us as a congregation and as a mishpacha is not that we agree on all politics or all political positions or political parties or that we have some common sense of political partisanship. That's not what unites us. What unites us is that we have a love for God, a love for Yeshua the Messiah a love for the kingdom of God and the values of God, the authority of the Lord, the, the practices, the teachings, the values and lordship of Messiah Yeshua. And we love the Torah. We love hanavim the prophets. We love Ketuvim, the writings of the Tanakh. And we love Habrita HaRashah, the writings of the New Covenant scriptures as well. We give authority to those scriptures. We allow them to tell us what is good and how to understand what is right as well. And so because of that, it's important in this time, not just in an abstract way, not just in a theoretical way, not just in a general way, but it's important in this time for us to have solidarity with our black members and with the members of our congregation who are people of color. And for the members of our congregation who are Jews of color, that may be a term you're not familiar with, but it describes Jewish people who have dark skin. They may be black, they may be brown, they may be another color in some range of colors other than lily white or pasty white, but they're people of color who are Jewish. They're people of color who have Jewish families. They've, they've grown up in Jewish families. They, they have accepted their Jewish identity. They may be Jewish and black. They may be Jewish and brown, but they are Jewish people of color. And it's important for us to accept that. Many of the families in our congregation include such people. And because of that, we can say that our congregation is blended, but it hasn't been blenderized. It's not that all of us have just been thrown into a blender that grinds us up into itty bitty pieces and then mixes us all up together and we become one. I call it bloody mess because that's what would happen but rather that we're blended in this respect. We have many different qualities and many good qualities and we join together without diminishing those good qualities and without diminishing that diversity and we have solidarity together. We're clinging to the prophetic call for an end of enmity between ethnic groups, between Jews and Gentiles. We're clinging to the prophetic call for the rule of Messiah, when nations will no longer learn to make war against one another. And I'm reminded of this scripture. I shared last night, it's, it's been on my heart this week. Sandy has been studying the scriptures this week and sharing with me some of the things that have really touched her. This passage from Micah chapter 4, verses 2 through 4 captures a prophetic statement of, about how God wants to work to bring Jews and Gentiles and to bring heal, to bring Jews and Gentiles together, to bring healing between ethnic groups and nationalities and blessings to everyone that are blessings of the, for the individual, for their family, and for all the nations so that the world can be blessed. Let me read to you from Micah chapter four, starting in verse two. And many nations will come. Let me just make a comment. When it says nations, it doesn't limit itself to the idea of political governments or geopolitical entities. Not states, but nations. Nations may be better translated as ethnic groups or people groups. Let's do it that way. And many different people groups will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. This is very interesting because these people of different ethnicities and cultural backgrounds and languages spread out all over the the world are recognizing the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. And they are not stripping away the identity of the God of Israel. They're not trying to universalize the Lord by taking away his identity as the God of Israel. You see, God is the universal God. He is the one true God. He's the God, not just for the Jewish people, but for all nations of the world. He's the God who created the heavens and the earth. And yet he is the God of Israel. This is very important. Don't strip that away. It will lead you to many, many other mistakes. But in Micah, it tells us that there will come a time when the nations, people from the nations, will wanna go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. And then it says this, he will teach us his ways. This is the top priority that we learn his ways so that we may walk in his paths. There is a wrong motivation that many religious people have, and that is to make their customs and traditions the foundation of what's right and wrong. The scriptures teach us that even though every nation has strength and every nation has some understanding of good and evil, it is necessary for every nation to allow the ways of God to be the highest ways for us so that we can walk in his paths, not our paths alone. For the law, or better, the Torah, by which we can say the written Torah, but we can also say all of the instruction of God that's contained in the Tanakh and the B'techanesha, which is founded on the Torah of God. For the Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is very important. Rabbi Yuri brought up this detail the other day when we were talking about Shavuot, Shavuot and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is not that the Torah will go forth from Sinai, That's not what this prophetic statement is, but the Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse three, and then he, the Lord, will judge between many peoples and he will arbitrate. Or another way of saying it is, he will settle disputes between strong nations far and wide. And as a result, they will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation will no longer take up the sword against nation, nor will they train any more for war. When will that happen? Well, it will happen as a result of Messiah. Verse four, and each man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree with no one to frighten him no one to terrorize him, no one who would attempt to strip his human dignity and his rights for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spake spoken. I know sometimes when we review some of these prophetic scriptures, Some people think, well, that's nice, but it's pie in the sky. That's nice, but that's Pollyannish. Don't you know the real world that we live in? And some people even think, Rabbi David, he's Pollyannish. You know, he he forgets how the real world operates. I don't forget. I understand the real world too. But I understand this. I'm not trying to express my opinion here. I'm trying to read to you the ways of God that are expressed in the scriptures. I'm trying to read to you the instruction of God. And that's why this last statement, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. This isn't the opinion of Micah. It's not just a Jewish opinion. It's not just my opinion. This is the position of the Lord. When you understand that one of the things that causes the love of many to grow cold is that they stop holding on to the purposes of God, to the telos of God. They don't continue to endure to that goal, to that purpose, to the very end. They grow weak in that and they allow other purposes to become higher priority. That's what causes love to grow cold we're called to cling to justice. It's a prophetic call. Amos chapter five, verse 24, puts it this way, "'Let justice roll on like a river, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream.'" Yesterday afternoon, the Messianic organization that we are a part of, both individually as rabbis and as a congregation, issued a joint statement, the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America, also called the MJAA, together with the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues, also called the IAMCS, the MJAA and the IAMCS. We issued a statement together that I want to share with you. It's titled, Official mjaa statement on tragic death of george floyd and i want to read this to you so that you can understand how many of the rabbis and congregational leaders are are feeling in these days you see because in so many of our congregations and almost every messianic congregation in the iamcs there's jew and gentile there's black and white. There are people of color. There there are people of different um, social status as well and different culture and language. In our congregation, it's, it's markedly so. Everyone who comes into our congregation can visibly see this. But we have a heart for one another, and that guides us. I want to read to you from this statement. The leadership of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America on behalf of its constituency, would like to express our deep sadness as we stand together in one accord with a national heartache over the tragic death of George Floyd. Our heartfelt prayers are with the family and friends of Mr. Floyd. And we express our most sincere sympathies in unity with our African-American brothers and sisters who are current who currently lament the sorrow of the centuries-old struggle against racial hatred as jewish people we know the pain of not being treated on an equal basis by others we are well acquainted with the inhumanity and suffering that results from discrimination and persecution which historically has given rise to the death of so many of our people. We stand in condemnation of the heinous act committed by those who wrongfully took Mr. Floyd's life. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We could not more agree. The tragedy in Minneapolis has touched us all. As Dr. King well knew, the Bible teaches us many principles of how men ought to live, but none is more fundamental nor urgent in our time than the word that Yeshua gave us concerning the brotherhood of mankind. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. John 15:12. We who love America, and believe it to be a nation greatly blessed by God, must nonetheless recognize how much our great soil has been stained by the sin of racism. Although America has made meaningful and important strides forward in advancing the civil rights of all, it is sometimes difficult to imagine if or how the country can ever overcome so great a sin. And yet we have hope as scripture declares, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. We love our African-American brothers and sisters and do hope and pray that Mr. Floyd's tragic and unnecessary death will perhaps bring people in this great country to a place of greater love and understanding. We are all children of the same Creator. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Our heartfelt prayer is that we can come together at this moment and humbly ask Almighty God for the healing, restoration, and renewal we so desperately need in America today. He has told you, humanity, what is good and what the Lord is seeking from you only to practice justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, Micah 6, verse 8. It signed the Executive Committee of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America and the Steering Committee of the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues. And I'm happy to say that I'm currently serving on the IMCS Steering Committee. I have been an officer in and a member of the MJAA executive committee as well. And together we are issuing the statement because we want to express our solidarity with those in our community, with black people around our country, throughout our country, who are suffering and continuing to suffer. And we're holding on with hope for the justice that God has in mind in the, the equality before the law that God has in mind for all of us. So that's our heart and that's our prayer. And I, I want to say something else, if you don't mind. And I, I'll speak from my heart about this. I, I didn't know if I was actually going to say something. But I've noticed that when I speak about these issues, sometimes the, the comments grow very quiet. And I think if I was speaking about anti-Semitism and the comments were too quiet, if people weren't saying, yes, we agree, or we're going to learn from this, or or any kind of statement of solidarity, if it was just silence, I would be upset. And so I'm I'm a little disturbed, I can say that. I'm a little disturbed, and I'm I'm not angry, but but i i want to to say to those in our congregation who are not minorities who are not white who are not black or people of color i want to say to you speak up let your voice be heard don't be silent when we're talking about these things say amen too it's great to be saying amen to to other topics, but it's powerful, it's important, it's necessary to express that kind of solidarity right now. The black people in our congregation, the people of color in our congregation, the Jews of color in our congregation, the people who are blended families or who are biracial families and multiracial families, the people who have parents, step parents, grandparents who are black, the people who have children and grandchildren or, or daughters-in-law or sons-in-law who are black need to hear from us that we have solidarity in this respect. And if your heart is a heart of love and you're not caught up in the the maelstrom, the the whirlwind of the political process, but you're caught truly in the mission of love, the telos of love, the purpose of love, the values of Yeshua, and the prophetic mandate to love one another and for enmity to be overcome between nationalities and people groups, I want to encourage you, let your voice be heard. Speak up. Don't be silent. And don't hide behind the idea, oh, I don't have any racial hatred. I don't have any prejudice. It's, it's not enough it's important to be si- not to be silent. It's important to take a position of strength. Find the right position that you can take and do something good. I have found that talking to our black congregants, talking, texting, emailing, talking like this, sharing, but also <clears throat> listening to the troubles that they're experiencing, to the common everyday experiences they have. This is an important task, and I'm committed to continue to listen. I want to hear about how we as a community can rise up and not fall short, how we can learn how to be strong together, and how we can learn to celebrate our diversity of color and ethnicity in a ways that truly honors the Lord. So I'm sharing that with you because it's my heart for you to embrace it because I think this is a value of the kingdom of God. And I know this. When I think back about our Jewish experience in the Holocaust, I take note of something. In the countries where the people stood up in solidarity for the Jewish people and stood together with the Jewish people, the Nazis were not able to do the same kind of harm and annihilation that they were able to pull off when people were afraid to speak up or didn't speak up or joined in with the Nazis. That act of solidarity is powerful. Standing together with love, with commitment to Yeshua, with commitment to one another, This. Causes our love to grow strong and it drives out in me and his work, work in our midst in our nation. <clears throat> and it causes us, I think, to grow strong in the purposes of God. Excuse me for a minute while I've got a cough. <coughs> I hate to do that, but. I must. I want to switch to another topic for just a couple of minutes, and I I want to speak to the people in our congregation who are vulnerable and at risk or suffering because of the vulnerability of a family member um, and having to exercise cautious protocols or even extreme protocols. I, I, w- I want to say that we have compassion together. We have solidarity with you and strength with you. And we want to encourage you even in these difficult times. I've, I've been thinking about um, those families that that have to deal with the restrictions, for instance, on visitation in the hospital. That happened with Carol Cregan and her husband, Bob, when Bob went in um, for emergency coronary care. It's happening to others as well. And I'm thinking about how hard it must be to go into the hospital when you're accustomed When it's normal to have your husband or wife or family member with you to help you through that difficult situation, even to help you make decisions, even to pray with you, even to listen to what the doctors say. But to have to go into that difficult situation alone with the family not allowed to come in because of hospital protocols right now, because of issues of uh, COVID-19. I just want to tell you, our heart goes out to you. I'm, I'm thinking about James White right now. James and Vanessa are dealing with this personally. James's dad is, is facing hospice right now. He has serious lung disease and he's, he's approaching the end of his life and his family is not able to be with him because he's in a restricted place because of the restrictions on visitors because of COVID-19. And I can't imagine that difficulty. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine it, but my heart just goes out to you and your family, James and Vanessa, to your whole family, to your dad. My heart goes out to all the families that are experiencing this. And I, I just want to say that we'll stand in solidarity with you. We'll have continued compassion. We will be empathetic to you and we will listen to you. And this is one of our standards. It's one of our goals is to be able to weep together and to laugh together as well. And in times of difficult, difficulty like this, our hearts are not hardened and we are not lost in some political position, but we are saying we are with you. We care about you and the difficulties that this situation presents to you. Some of you who are vulnerable or are at risk are growing weary about the precautions you are taking and the protocols that you're following. And I want to encourage you be strong. We'll stand with you in that. Others are feeling guilty. <clears throat> They're feeling pressured to abandon the protocols as things are opening up. But you have your own needs that we want to respect and honor. And so every situation, every Every plan that we're formulating includes a kind of hybrid approach or diverse approach where we're recognizing the different needs that people have and the different protocols that people are following so that we can find solutions for our congregation that respect and honor all of those. For Sandy and me, we are vulnerable in that risk. And because of that, we have to follow very special protocols. <clears throat> that are more restrictive than some of you would ever embrace for yourselves. But, but we are doing this because we understand it's the right thing for us to do. And so I thank you for those of you who are encouraging us and expressing solidarity with us. And as things <coughs> move forward in Jacksonville, as we look at The solutions that are developing in Jacksonville, for instance, what's happening in the school system in Duval County and how they're trying to figure out how to accommodate the the different needs and approaches we're, we're doing much the same and we're thinking about our own situation and how to continue with this, we will continue live from home we will continue to explore how we can do more things that that can bring us together in other ways as well, not just online, but as things can open up. We'll experiment and find out how to do that so that we can do what is possible and safe to do. But not everybody's going to be able to participate in the same kinds of gatherings during the season, and we want to respect that. We want to honor that. We want to encourage those of you who know you need to keep safe protocols and at-risk protocols, continue in that. Be strong in that. Don't grow weary. We're standing with you, and we understand the the great needs that you're facing, and we will continue to show respect. I want to now turn to some prayer requests and some prayer reports. The other day at our prayer meeting on Wednesday, we prayed for Brian Rose's dad, Marvin. Uh, Brian is not only one of the worship leaders and one of the long-term members of the congregation, he is also the technical director and producer of Live From Home and we're so grateful for Brian and his service, his generous service to the congregation. But his dad Marvin had some serious surgery and then he had complications recently and it it was quite difficult. We prayed about those complications and Brian heard from his dad the next day that everything's clearing up and he's doing well and He's recovering really well, and he's thankful even to the point of tears. It was really wonderful to hear this testimony from Brian about his dad. Another testimony that encouraged us, we prayed for Eliana and She She um, broke her arm and needed a cast and pins, and she is now out of her cast, and her arm is doing very well. And I understand yesterday she was uh, able to pick, pick blueberries with the family. So that's... Uh, great encouragement as well. Let's pray also for Marlene Stone, who is ill and needs complete healing. Lord, we lift up Marlene. We pray for the outpouring of your mercy and your kindness, your loving compassion, that Marlene would be strong and she would have complete healing in Yeshua's name. Let's lift up also Elizabeth Stone who had very delicate neck and spinal surgery this week. She's now at home and she's recovering well, but it is a painful process to recover. And so Lord, we lift up Elizabeth Stone to you and we pray in the name of Yeshua for a good recovery without complication. We thank you for the surgical team that worked for hours and hours and hours, all day working on this very delicate and um, skill-requiring surgery. Thank you for their skill. Thank you for their stamina in the name of Yeshua. And finally, we want to pray for Diana Levine, Robinson. Diana Levine, who is a dear friend of ours, her mom passed away, this week and we want to stand in solidarity and ask for God's compassion to be poured out on Diana and her sisters as well for the whole family and so we're praying for Diana Levine we're praying for her sister Sandy Delgado and for her sister Norma Title as well and we're praying for the whole Levine family and Delgado family and Title families that we will experience the outpouring of God's mercy as they're mourning for their beloved mommy. And as they're taking comfort, knowing that she is with you, Lord, bring your compassion and your healing to their hearts. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. I want to move towards our close this morning and share with you again the scripture that the Lord put on Sandy's heart a couple of weeks ago from Psalm 115 verses 14 through 15. It's a powerful scripture. May the Lord increase both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is a profound thing that we're praying over you that God would increase you and your children, that he would increase you not just financially, but he would give you every form of prosperity, prosperity of soul, prosperity of relationship, prosperity of health and well-being, strength, stability and security that he would cause you to to grow in the fruit of the spirit. And the gifts of the spirit as well that you would grow in every way not just you but your whole family not just you but all the generations connected to you as well and that this would be done through the lord of hosts who is the maker of heaven and earth i want to thank everyone who's continuing to be faithful with their tithes and their offerings for beth israel it really makes a difference that enables us to fulfill all of our obligations and to do even more and to cover the additional expenses that are required for live from home in this distance um, live streaming that we're doing in this ministry your faithful and steady giving really makes a difference. And I want to tell you, if you want to participate in supporting the congregation with your tithes and your offerings, if Beth Israel is is your home, it's mishpocha for you, it's it's the place where you're connected and, and you feel you belong, I want to encourage you to go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. There's all the information on that page you can find about Giving Fire and PayPal are two online giving platforms. They're very easy to use, very easy to customize, and as well, they're very secure. We've never had a single breach of security with either of those. And you can set them up so that you can join in and be a recurring giver, someone who gives in a steady way in a very stable way, it provides stability to us and enables us to move forward together with confidence, with power and with all the resources financially that we need during this very unstable season. So thank you for everyone who has been giving, thank you for those of you who have decided even today that you wanna be supportive of us. And thank you also for those who are giving sacrificially above and beyond because you know that this is a time where your sacrificial gift can really make a difference. When we're in the sanctuary, it's been our custom at Beth Israel that Sandy and I stand together and we join together and I pray the blessing of Aaron over the whole congregation while Sandy and I are standing together on the Bema at the synagogue. We're not at the sanctuary and we can't really stand together, can we? If we do, our heads will be cut off. You'll only see the bottoms of us. But we're sitting together and we want to pray Aaron's blessing and we want you to join in and to receive this blessing for yourself, and for your family, if you're with your family, I want to encourage you to gather together right now and let's pray in this way. And then, following Aaron's blessing, we will return to the painter family for a final worship song.
1: Yay, Eric!
0: Yay, Eric! <laughs> <laughs> so, join with me. <speaking in Hebrew> May the Lord bless you. May the Lord guard and protect you and keep watch over you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you with all of his favor, all of his unmerited favor, the favor you could never deserve. May the Lord lift up his face to you and take notice of you and recognize you, and draw close to you. And may he give you his shalom through the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, our Messiah. So we want to say Shabbat Shalom.
1: Shabbat Shalom.
0: And now let's return to the painter home for our final worship song.
1: Shabbat Shalom once more. Let's end our morning together with singing a new song.